Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, welcome to another saunter and today we are in Genesis chapter 15. And this is a really interesting chapter with some very interesting little kind of things that go on here. Um, So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Good morning, Mary and Fran. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We invite you to come and speak to us now by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, come into our lives, into our homes. In Jesus' name. And let us be so aware of you and your presence with us today. Amen. Good. I'm glad Cole's eyesight is better. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning, Kathy and Rosemary. So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward is very great. Now in the NIV, I think you'll find it says... I am your shield and your very great reward. And I love that version because it's like God is saying, listen, Abraham, I'm going to protect you, but also I'm your reward. You can have stuff, but actually it is me. I am your reward. Buenos dias, Flor. Good morning, Alison. And he's so this is just something for us to kind of reflect on that actually he himself is the best reward we could ever have, God himself, and to for him to entrust himself to us, my tongue is a bit swollen, for him to entrust himself to us is the most wonderful thing imaginable, that God wants to have a relationship with us, and wants to have us to have a relationship with him, and this is just stunning. So he says, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, your reward will be very great, or shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, What will you give me, for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of, uh, sorry, and a member of my household will be my heir. So he's saying, God, that's great, but what reward will you give me? Because actually, there's only really one thing I really want, and that is to have a child, to have a son to have an heir, to carry on my line. And he would obviously look out and see his great wealth and flocks and herds and so on. And and as he reflected, he would think, well, this is sad because someone else is going to get this, not one of my own children, but I'm going to be leaving it to my servant. And so God, so he says, God, you know, this is 
what can you give me? I would like a different kind of reward. I, yeah, great that you're my reward, but I'd like another reward. I'd like to have a son. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now, this is very, very explicit. God is saying, Abraham, you will have a son and he will be your heir. This guy, Eleazar, who's a great guy, he's not going to be the one who's going to inherit all that I've given you. So relax and chill. And so <clears throat> uh, he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he, count, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, you remember when the, the previous time God spoke to him, he said, you're going to be your descendants are going to be as numerous as the dust of the earth. It's like you can't count every individual grain of dust on the earth. And it's going to be like that with your descendants. They're just going to cover the earth. They're going to fill the earth. And now God's saying, look up at the stars. I'm going to tell you this again. You are going to have this many children your your descendants are going to be numerous and you you don't have to worry so he says if you can number the stars then you'll be able to number them i guess even then there would have looked like a lot of stars but now what we know now that is a lot 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 of stars isn't it and he said to him so shall your offspring be and he believed the lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is really, really important. And as we look in um, Hebrews chapter 11, we see that Abraham is recognised as righteous, not because he did everything right. And this is really important. It's not because Abraham did everything right. It's because he believed God. He trusted God. And that was considered to him as righteousness. And so it has always been and will always be. It's not the fact that we never fail or we never make a mistake or we never kind of stumble. But it's actually that we trust God, that we put our trust in him and have faith in him. And that's the thing that really won God's heart about Abraham. And if you read in Hebrews 11, you can see all the other heroes of faith that get a mention. It's an amazing chapter. And uh, obviously... It's a finite list. There are so many people who could be in that chapter, even from the Bible. But then since, wow, you know, since it was written, be loads of people who could make it into that chapter, probably. And um, it's the thing that really, really, really thrills God when he looks at our faith. He's excited and happy and he considers it as, as righteousness for us. Verse seven. And he said to him. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Now this is really interesting. So God is giving Abraham some 
a, a really important piece of visual language to create a memory of God's promise. Now, back in the day of Abraham, it was accustomed to make a covenant, to solemnize a really serious covenant between two parties, like, say, I don't know, um, like who was going to have which piece of land or something like that. They would cut an animal into pieces and then they would link arms and walk up and down between the pieces and it was a way of saying God is going to punish us severely if we break the terms of this covenant so what they're doing is they're making it solemn and kind of important and sober and as Abraham is in this moment now God is making a covenant with Abraham and he's acting it out now this is really important to say God can't change his mind God never goes back on a promise. So if God promises something, he doesn't need to kind of reinforce it in any way by making it more solemn or more serious by acting out some kind of covenant. But what he's doing here, he's coming to our level and he's saying, you understand about covenant. Well, that's what I am making with you, Abraham. I'm making this covenant now. And he said to him, so he brings this um, heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, and the turtle dove and the young pigeon. And they cut them, he cuts them in half and arranges them out. And then I guess Abraham's thinking, well, what happens now? Because this is a bit where we would normally link arms and walk through between the pieces. But God, you're not here in that way. So how is it going to work? And I think he has this sense that something important needs to happen. And so while the birds of prey are coming down to take away his bits of animal carcass for their lunch, he scares them away and scares them away because he's hanging on and trusting that something that he's going to have an encounter with God that's going to change his whole entire life and his whole entire perspective. And he does not want the birds of the air coming and stealing away the things that God's given him to act out. And it's a really helpful picture sometimes to just think that actually the devil wants to come and steal away those things that God's given us and those promises that God's given us. He wants to come like the birds of the air and snatch it away. And sometimes we need to go after those birds and scare them away, drive them away and hold fast to the promises of God. And and sometimes it's like holding in there in prayer and we're hanging in there and our attention is distracted and the birds of the air are taking our attention away. And yet there's a sense when we're hanging in there with God and we're pressing in for something. And then God comes and the moment is that he's waiting for happens. So Abraham scares the birds away. Verse 12, it says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham or Abraham, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. This is really interesting, isn't it? Because it's like this really somber, serious kind of moment where God is coming close to Abraham and making this a, a moment he will never forget as long as he lives. Then the Lord said to Abraham, so it's a great, a dreadful and great darkness fell on him. Sometimes when God draws close to us, it does fill us with fear and there is a kind of like awesomeness about it and it's kind of like whoa god this is a holy moment i hardly dare speak this is too incredible and too kind of holy for me to 
um, kind of treat lightly. And what's going on here is a really, really serious moment because God is establishing a covenant not with one man, but with his descendants. And he's saying this is there is a whole nation. A whole nation is going to be dependent on what happens here today. This is not a trivial moment. And sometimes we need to just understand that God is not trivial. God is not in the business of just kind of making everything fluffy and pink. He is the God of heaven and earth. And in this moment, he's cutting a covenant. The language for covenant is, is to do with blood and cutting. And it's serious. It's kind of sober. And uh, then the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation they serve. And after that, they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. This is interesting. What God's saying in this somber moment to Abraham is, listen, Abraham, everything isn't just going to go lovely and swimmingly for you your and your descendants. You're going to pass from this life comfortably. You're going to die at an old age and you'll be dying in peace and you'll lay to rest with your ancestors and so on. And that's going to be peaceful, but your descendants are going to face a time of slavery and uh, oppression for 400 years. Uh, he says, but I will bring judgment on the nation they will serve. And uh, I don't I don't know whether Abraham kind of got an insight that it was Egypt that his people would go to. Um, but sure enough, we as we read on through the Bible, we realize that the Israelite nation did become slaves in Egypt. And again, that was another defining moment of their history as a nation when they came out of slavery and came out of captivity. Um, good morning, Pete and Caroline. Good to see you. And but he says, I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. And so it's really interesting, isn't it, that they went into the Israelite patriarchs, went into Egypt and they were just the 12 tribes and they had their herds and stuff. And they were doing OK. But when they came out of Egypt, they came out as a mighty nation and they had great wealth and stuff because the Egyptians gave them loads of stuff. Um, severance pay I think it was <laughs> or pay back pay they should have had before anyway that's another story and we'll go into that one day probably so verse 17 so he's saying actually as well their return to this land is conditional on some other things he says the sin the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete and so there the nations occupying the land that would belong to Israel there was a process of iniquity where their their kind of institutionalized sinful behavior was going to reach a kind of pinnacle of, ugh, you know, nastiness. And then God would be uh, using the Israelites to judge them and drive them out of the land. So this is all very interesting because Abraham is a prophet and he's getting this insight from God about his descendants 
um, long, 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 long time before it ever happened. Um, and when the sun had gone down, verse 17, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, sorry, Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And he, so this moment, right, so normally would be the two people entering into this covenant with link arms and walk between the pieces of animal. But in this moment with God, in the moment of darkness and kind of dreadful sort of awesomeness and sober, somber, kind of whatever, and the sun's gone down, it's completely dark, and Abraham's been fell into this deep sleep, and now he's awake again. A smoking fire pot. I'm not even sure what that would look like. Some kind of cauldron or something. And flaming torch passed between the pieces. So God is giving Abraham an indication that right now he is walking through the pieces of this, these animals laid out in this most kind of macabre, almost scary kind of way. But what God's saying is, listen, I can't change my mind. I'm God. I don't have, I don't make some, make a promise and then go back on it. But even so, I'm entering into a covenant with you, Abraham. And I want you to really understand the seriousness of which I am viewing this. This is not a trivial thing. This is a covenant I'm making between you and me for all time so this is the most incredible moment I think it's all it's hard to overstate how amazing this is that God himself would come and make a binding agreement in language that we understand because he wants he wants us to take it as seriously as he does so he says on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites and the Jebusites. And God's saying, listen, this is I am making a covenant. I'm not just saying, oh, would you like something? I'm going to give you a nice gift. He's saying, listen, I'm making a covenant with you um, for all time to your offspring. God has not gone back on that covenant. I don't think however much people want to argue the toss about the Middle East, God is ever going to go back on that covenant with Abraham's descendants about the land there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it hasn't been easy for lots of people, but it's uh, gosh. It's important for us to know for ourselves today as Gentiles that God has made an everlasting covenant through Jesus. And it's sealed with the blood of Jesus. And God will not go back on his covenants. He can't change his mind. He doesn't have an off day. He doesn't say, oh, well, I meant that then, but I don't mean it anymore. When God makes a covenant, it is for all time. 
Amen. Have an amazing day, you guys, and God bless you. In Jesus' name. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.